Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, if you'd like to have a question, comment, or concern, go on air, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Alex will be answering the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. He doesn't have, care about your question or anything else, even though he is a horticultural expert. He just plays like he's not. <laughs> he listens to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and great story you told about your peacock. Yeah, it was kind of funny. We have uh, Our neighbor has ducks and a peacock and a horse and a bunch of other things. But anyway, the ducks every now and then will come over, and they kind of can cause damage. They'll root around in the grass and sure. dig it up and get into the pond and all that kind of stuff. So the other day they were kind of working their way over, and the peacock was in our yard, ran over to the ducks and chased them across the field, back to their house. Just I, get them out of there. I had no idea that peacocks were that, let's say, dominant. I didn't either. I it was great. Ducks would, it's kind of like when you see a hawk being mm-hmm. chased by a bunch of birds, yeah. you know, even though he's big. The little ones. Be, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I thought maybe that ducks would do the same thing to the peacock. No. You can't tell us what to do. <laughs> and, of course, they're talking the whole way. You know, I told you we shouldn't have done that. I told you. I told you we'd get caught. I told you we shouldn't do that. Da, 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 you know. uh, right. I wish right. we had video. I'm going to, uh, you know, it happened so quickly I couldn't get video of right. it. But it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, one, one thing, uh, how about lightning bugs? Yeah, seeing a few of them. Yeah, yeah, I saw my first ones on Thursday night. Did you? So that means summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime, some. Nice, isn't it? Yes. Really nice. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're out and about. Exactly. Well, thanks, Brian. You're welcome. And folks, on Saturday morning, we get together and we have a discussion about what's going on in your backyard, front yard, side yard, and how about that specialty garden space that you hoped was going to be whatever, and it turned out to be whatever. And uh, how about your house plants? How are they doing now they've been outside? If they have been outside for you, probably maybe four to six weeks. And uh, how to improve your soil? Should you be doing any pruning to your boxwood this time of year? Is it okay to cut your maples this time of year? Should you be shearing any kind of plants this time of year to make them square and this and that? Information that I'll share with you hopefully will make your decisions a little easier and uh, help solidify your options. Final judgment, of course, is going to be yours. 
This is your show, by the way, and I appreciate you inviting me on to your show. And uh, wherever you happen to be listening, thank you for listening. Another important player, as I said before, Alex, he is a producer. He answers the phone. He does all kinds of things beyond that even. I mean, the producer, you have no idea how difficult their job is, and especially when they have to deal with somebody like me, <laughs> who doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to buttons. I don't touch no buttons. Anyway. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. This past week, I was in Highland, and this has been, I believe, the third time I've been to this home. It's a great place, and, I mean, wonderful atmosphere just in general. I had a great, you know, great fun time conversation-wise and everything else. And then today, after the show, I'm headed to Creevecore and then up to Overland. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the uh, home page, my email address and phone number are there where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Ah, nice and peaceful morning as I stepped out of my door and headed towards the car. And as I've made it to my uh, location for my Good Gardening Stroll, greeted by Bouncing Robin, he had a He or she, I can never tell the robins if they're male or female. It's not like cardinals or a lot of the other birds. But it had a worm in its beak and was bouncing, and then it fell out, and then it picked it up again. And Then a pair of morning doves said, uh, let's get out of here. This is too crazy. This guy's coming. He's disturbing us, meaning me. There were surface roots from about a 14-inch caliper uh, elm tree. That was uh, the tree looked kind of stressed anyway. Besides, And the surface roots are just a natural occurrence. It's not because of anything specific. And if you have surface roots, don't try to bury them with just dirt. Don't try to do anything to them except maybe plant a ground cover over them. So anyway, there was a grove of redbud trees. I mean, the pods were dangling. And the foliage looks spectacular. These really look good this year. And uh, they've been uh, pruned recently. And there was a pile of branches laying there as, uh, I guess, evidence to the fact that they've been recently pruned. The sign reads, interested in gardening here? Well, go to garden at hollyhills.info. And uh, clover runs all over the place in between all the various bed spaces. And uh, individual beds, guess where I was? I was at the Holly Hills Community Garden and Gateway Greening and also Holly Hills Improvement Association, kind of our underwriters of the whole thing. There's a stormwater intake in the bed space or in this garden area, and uh, it was decorated with uh, some miscanthus and with hamrel callus. Don't know what hamrel callus is? Well, it's daylogs. River birch trees and other kinds of trees kind of make sort of, let's say, on the boundary lines of the south and the west side, so it really kind of makes it a nice setting. I just wandered through many of the beds. I saw everything from marigolds to tomatoes to onions, to basil, to cabbage, to peppers, to nasturtiums, to squash, lettuce, asparagus, bell peppers, strawberries, and there went a rabbit. He said, I was getting too close. I got to get away from him. And then there's another bed space that's not really in the bed space, but it it had some ornamental grasses too and uh, iris. The iris are already finished blooming. And uh, there's one sign, I guess, a declaration of two or three of the bed spaces this is J&J Garden, and uh, one of the beds had a cloth cover on it, and I couldn't really tell right at first what it was, but I think underneath it, they were trying to protect the lettuce and some of the cool season vegetables 
from getting too, let's say, sunburnt. I saw some milkweed heading upwards, not in bloom yet by any means, but coming real soon. And uh, full of necessities, the sun was climbing, and it was uh, a nice day to spend in your garden. Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got some lines open if you'd like to have a question answered. And let's head over to Chuck's yard. He's going to be the first caller of the day. Hi, Chuck. Good morning, sir. Uh, I look forward to your program every Saturday morning. Well, thank you. Yes, I do. Uh, But my question is, I'm in the process of redoing the shrubs and plants in my front yard. And I made a mistake, I think. I took all the daylilies, a big clump of them, and replanted them in the backyard along a fence. It's a, um, a solid fence, a vinyl fence, six feet tall. And they this spring, everything grew. They're getting tall. They're still really green. But now they're all laying down. You know, to be honest with you, it's just because of the, basically the summer times here, and they don't have their root system well established enough to uptake enough moisture to keep the, let's say, the foliage rigid. So I wouldn't be overly concerned with them. What you might do is just make sure, you know, you go out there every few days and give them a good watering. But beyond that, I wouldn't. Daylilies are so tough, I don't see any problem. You know, they are in the sun, I'm, I'm assuming. Well, that's the other problem. Oh. Uh, it's mostly shade in that area. Oh, that's not oh. good. So should I replant them somewhere else? Yes, because, and especially if the shade's from trees, because it, not only are these trees, you know, the daylily's been uprooted and the root system's torn up, but now they're trying to compete with well-established tree roots, and in the shade, that's not a good sign. Okay, so I got my next project. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Certainly. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, daylilies, they can take a little bit of light shade occasionally, but for the most part, they want to be in full sun all day long, every day. So, Okay, thank you. Sure. Now let's head over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hello, can you hear me? As far as I know, yes. Oh, okay, um, my husband and I were thrilled. We planted two trees within the last three weeks, a red bud and a bald cypress. And we are just watching them die. Now, my husband and I went out in the wind, and the, the red bud had blown over. Ooh. And um, we, not entirely over, but quite a bit over. We had a substantial wind here in Edwardsville last week, and we were staking it in the wind. And that was just this past week, only a few days and the leaves are all dried to a crisp. It just looks dead. And we are watering it copiously. I don't know if it's too little too late. And then the bald cypress, it, it, the, it seems like, let's see, we planted that a couple weeks ago. Its leaves are wilting also and getting brown on the ends. We don't know if the wind is... It's, could it be the wind? We don't know. Or could we overwater it? So we're just 
depressed and we don't know quite <laughs> what to do. Basically, you picked the worst time of year to be planting, you know, any kind of woody plant material, first of all. So, I mean, putting any kind of plant coming in, you know, with the way our weather is, normally it's going to be hot and windy and everything else, maybe not as windy as it has been this year. But that's the ideal time to plant the trees you're talking about would be in fall where the ground is warm. That will help root systems get established and then the trees get to go to sleep for the wintertime. Put them in the you know, late spring or mid-spring, whatever a couple of weeks ago was. It's extremely hot headed into that, and that's where your problem is. So you can't overcompensate. I mean, watering you think should help. But it's not necessarily going to help because it doesn't even, you know, neither one of these trees probably have enough root system to uptake the moisture. So you're really just watering the ground. You're not really watering the plants. If you want to water them really well, you run the hose to the base a couple inches from the trunk and run it at a trickle for an extended period of time for like an hour or two. And only do that about once a week or so and just kind of keep your fingers crossed. But it doesn't sound good, especially... It shows you how there's no root system like on the red bud if it blew over. I'm assuming you got it staked, but you didn't stake it too tight that it's not blowing. It has to have some movement when there is wind because that will help it get established, increase the diameter of the trunk and things along that line. Well, it was a, a real substantial wind, I guess, last Tuesday. And, you know, when, when you buy the trees, the red bud was one that we could – I don't know how many gallons to say the the root ball was. It was one that, you know, was easily moved in a bucket. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it didn't have that many roots. And we planted it, you know, you can't plant it too deep. Not deep and at so all. And so when the wind came along, I mean, it just took it right over. But this was a real blowing wind. And I I was trying to think about what, what could have fried these leaves so quickly and i'm i'm thinking that it must have been it must have been that wind well the wind we can de- the wind can dehydrate but also just the heat yes so i yes. mean you like i said you planted them at probably the worst time of year possible <laughs> okay lesson learned <laughs> um so i guess there's no hope for any return on on um, getting these trees to survive at all. Well, I mean, there is. Don't fertilize them. Hopefully you dug the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, only 80% is deep, so the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Just run out, like I said, run a hose out to, and put it at the base a couple inches from the trunk. Run it at a trickle so it just kind of drips onto the ground so you can make sure you're getting the root system wet and not just wetting the area around where the trees are. And just kind of okay. keep your fingers crossed. Okay, and how many times a week? Uh, probably just once a week for like two okay. hours, one to two hours. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Certainly. Yeah, that's uh, bad timing. That's <laughs> unfortunate. Yes. Well, you know, everybody's wanting to get things out and planted in the spring, sure. and the nurseries have all the kinds of things going. And and I thought, well, this is they're selling. I'm buying. You know. So. <laughs> Well, that can, yes. you know, that's exactly right, but it's not the ideal time. So, anyway, good luck, okay. and hopefully your trees will survive. And now oh. let's go over to Joanne's yard. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Mike. 
I have two questions for you. My first question, I have a old-fashioned mock orange bush, mm -hmm. and I don't know much about the pH level that they enjoy. Are they like a lilac where you can put a little bit of lime on them once in a while? No, they want to have an acidic soil. Okay, about what level? Uh, probably, I would say not too acidic, but something, let's say around 6.5, 6 6.0 to 6.5. Okay. And then my other question is on zoysia grass. When I moved into my house, the lawn was zoysia, and I don't really care for zoysia, but the first few years it did fine. About three years ago, um, um, cinch bugs took it out uh, before, yeah, before, uh, before we was. found out what was causing it. Right. And so I had the whole yard dethatched and seeded, and so for a couple of years, it was beautiful. And this year, the zoysia did not come back. The whole front yard is just all, was all brown. And then when the heat came, now I've got like sprouts of that thick bladed zoysia grass coming up in little clumps all over the place. So what I, I'm trying to get rid of the zoysia. And so my big question is, if I have somebody come and till it all up, and put down regular sod, is there anything I can do to make sure that there's no zoysia hiding anywhere that's going to come back and take over again for me? Well, I thought, so what kind of sod are you going to put down? Well, I, uh, it's in a full sun in the front yard, no trees. Um, so I just, I guess a, a, a zoysia blend with bluegrass is what I, uh, not zoysia, um, Oh, fescue? fescue and a bluegrass blend. Is I, that... I would say don't bother doing that in the heat of the summertime. You're going to have a nightmare that's going to be very expensive. Now, these wide-bladed fescue things that you're seeing, this is probably crabgrass or, you know, a weedy-type grass. This is not the zoysia. The zoysia doesn't have really a wide blade. No, I, I know. What, what okay. I, I thought it was just that old, yucky fescue that has the thick blades because it's coming up in, like, crumps, and it's standing straight up. Yeah, so... My, you know, it's, uh, I would not try to do, I mean, you're going to have to deal with this. You can get the soil prepared and everything else you want to, but then you're looking at a sea of mud. I just leave it alone, and it's going to be a couple months, but until like mid to late August, then get a lawn service, come out, get the soil prepared, then put the cool season, you know, lawn sod down at that time. Don't try to do it going into summertime. It's going to be a nightmare. Okay, okay. Um I, I think there was one other question, and it slipped my mind. Uh, oh, well, I can't think of the other one. If I do, I'll have to call you back next week. Okay. <laughs> but but what, what I guess my main thing was I was just so concerned because I went to, you know, an expense three years ago, and it was looking really great, and there was enough soja hiding somewhere that it came back and took over again. And I, that's what I was wondering, if there's if there's any guarantee um, that like, should I have the whole yard sprayed with uh, Roundup before they uh, a couple of days before they till it to make sure? Well, there's still your Roundup is great, but what Roundup doesn't control is like annual weedy seeds that would be laying there and the rototilling or anything else. So those seeds are going to still be there. So you know, Roundup will kill existing plant material, yes, but it's not going to kill seeds that have not germinated, that have just basically been left by, let's say, cool season annual weeds that are kind of disappearing now because it's so hot. So it, there's not one application of one thing. 
is going to eradicate your problem. Okay. Well, I do have somebody that comes, um, you know, uh, during the whole season, mm -hmm. and they, they fertilize for me, and they put down the pre-emergent and everything. So right. would a pre-emergent in the fall or in the no, that would be in the spring, wouldn't it? No, you put pre-emergent down twice, late August, mid to late August, and then in the spring when the forsythia is in bloom. There's okay. two different kinds of annual weeds that nobody, I don't know, for all these decades that we've been talking about weeds, it's not like I'm amazed at how many people don't understand there's two different kinds of annual weeds for their pre-emergent to take care of. Okay, okay. That's a new one for me, too. I didn't realize that. Um so I'll just have to wait then until the fall and put up with it. <laughs> right, exactly. Just live with it. If it bothers you, put on some rose-colored glasses. <laughs> yeah. Or either that or quit looking at my neighbor's yard because they're beautiful and green. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> okay, thank you, Mike. Sure. Bye-bye. <laughs> Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Do not fertilize your fescues or bluegrasses this time of year. You can cause major problems with them. They're headed towards dormancy anyway because they're a cool season lawn. They hate the heat. And so they're not necessarily going to disappear or turn brown like the zoysia does in the wintertime, but they are could really suffer some major damage if you fertilize them now. So, But this is a time of year when you want to fertilize your zoysia. Just the other day, I use a hose-end attachment, you know, and liquid fertilizer for my lawn. I was out fertilizing on Wednesday. <laughs> One of my neighbors pulled up and he said, what are you spraying? I said, fertilizer. He said, oh. So he thought I was spraying for weeds or something. No, I'm spraying fertilizer. And it's one of those bottles you screw into this thing and shh, very easy. Because the granular, for, you know, small yard I have and living in the city. But the granular stuff, when you put it down, you got to water it in water it in anyway. So why not just water it in from the beginning? Let's head over to Sean's yard. Hi, Sean. Hey, how you doing? Good. Love your show. Love your experience. I have a couple questions. The first one is uh, I just... I uh, bought a dog, and uh, I have a manicured lawn, and I take pride in my lawn, and I notice uh, where the dog urinates, make, <laughs> makes uh, uh, it kills the grass right, right there. So that's the main question. How do I get it to come back? Basically, what you're going to have to do is realize that the dog's urine has high nitrogen. So you're burning your lawn, or the dog's burning the lawn, or the urine's burning the lawn with high nitrogen. So there are you know products that you can use and go to like pet cares and those those kind of stores and they're probably going to have them. Oh, awesome, awesome. And then is that something the dog eats or something I put on the yard? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, it's you know it's just uh, the product of their urine basically is a high nitrogen, so that's the, the chemistry of it. People used to think it was because it was uh, you know alkaline and it was burning because of that, but really it's burning because of the high nitrogen content in their urine. Why? Who knows? No, I understand that, but uh, at the pet stores, do do they sell stuff that I put on the lawn or sell stuff that I give to the dog? No, 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 for the lawn. Okay, got it. Oh, I can just get rid of the dog, huh? Yeah, right. 
or they probably have something maybe to reduce the you know, some kind of food additive that will reduce the nitrogen content in the dog food too. Just ask them. I you know that would be the best thing to do. There you go. And then another one is uh, weeds. Uh, I'm really good at getting rid of weeds, but for some reason this year, the weed uh, killer I use when I spot treat the weeds because I don't have very many. It's not doing anything right now. Really? Yeah. That's kind I'm not of sure is a different kind of weed or what what's the best uh weed killer that you use for spot uh, treatment? I use I use different types. You know, so depending upon the type of weed and things like that, uh so if it's a broadleaf weed, I go with a, you know, weed be gone type thing. If it's a weed that I just want to and I want to kill like everything in that area, then I use I use Roundup to be honest with you. So consequently, oh. you know, that's what I do. And I, I do a lot of hand digging, too. Okay, got it, got it, because I do that as well. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, weeds this year have been prolific. I mean, normally I have my weeds under control and everything else, but I'm still having eruptions of weeds. Oh, I see Brian Kelly coming here. Is there something important? Uh-oh. Well, I just want to remind people that westbound 270 is closed at Bell Fountain. Uh, there's a, a serious accident there, and it's going to be closed for a while. Now, it was closed at 367 anyway for the construction, but now it's closed at Bell Fountain. So you'll want to avoid 270. That's westbound. Eastbound is closed at New Halls Ferry because they're tearing down the old Halls Ferry overpass. But just want to remind you that that's uh, a spot you do want to avoid this morning. More coming up in the news at the top of the hour. So avoid 270. In North St. Louis County. Yes. Yes. Thanks, Brian. You bet. And uh, where should we head? Let's go over to Barbara's yard. Hi, Barbara. Hello, Barbara. You there? Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Um, I was just calling. Um, I have a, my, I've been living here for years, and there's a, it's, it was a small sinkhole started. I don't know, not when I first lived here, but it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's real big now. My my grass isn't smooth all the way across, so I'm just figuring. I, I don't know anything about sinkholes, so what should I do about it? I don't know to get rid of it or put grass. To, I don't know. So well, I, I would try to find out where you know what's causing the sinkhole. Oh, okay. So maybe call the utilities to find out if you've got a water line or a sewer line or something that's got a crack in it okay. and it's causing water the erosion below line. because. Okay. If you, I mean, if you just sort of like take care of this, and there's something below the ground that's causing it, you're going to end up with the same problem again. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or either the sewer line. I sure will try that. I sure will do that. And I got one other question. I have the old type grass, um, pack. You know, the kind of four leaf clover grass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, some of it, I mean, it's real pretty. You know lawn and, and everything, but some of it is, have died, you know, I guess maybe because of the weather or whatever, it's brown patches or something, so how can I get it restored to the whole, you know, most of it, I say 80% of it is green, it's just there's patches of where it's died and stuff, so what can I do? So now, is this lawn or is this clover? It's like four-leaf clover, well, you know, it's it's the grass, you know, but it got four-leaf clovers in it. It's just the old-type grass. From, so so you got regular lawn just kind of mixed in with clover in it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. this time of year, not too much you can do. Wait until mid to late August, then go to your favorite garden center and just get some grass seed and put the grass seed out at that time with a seed starter-type fertilizer. 
But don't well, bother trying to put seed out this time of year. It would be a disaster. You'd okay. be wasting your Wait time. Wait mid or late August, right? Right, late August through September. Okay, through September. I'll do that. Okay, I really appreciate your help. And I will definitely get in touch with the utilities and see if there's a uh, something got to do with the water sewer line. Right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. And let's go over to Tony's yard now. Hi, Tony. Hi, Mike. Hey, a couple questions on the uh, backfilling of the trees you've talked about in the past. I've heard you uh, digging the, the auger or digging the two- to three-inch holes uh and then using compost. Right. And I'm wondering, uh, so the compost, St. Louis compost, are you getting the uh, botanical blend? Uh, I, just get, I just probably get premium turf. You know, I don't know ex- the types that I get. To, you know, basically, they've got four major types of compost, black gold, field and turf enhancer, premium gold, premium field and turf. So I always just get the you know the premium field and turf, and so that's deep root mm-hmm. feeding, and that's when you auger the holes about six inches, put them about a foot apart, and just do concentric circles mm-hmm. all the way out from halfway from the drip line, uh, the trunk out to the drip line. Right. Um, so I did I did some around my birch tree. My birch tree in the back was losing its leaves and. What I did there, I used some uh, fertilum and then I compost on top, and it seemed to slow it down. I don't know if it was too much moisture. Um, it's in a wet area. And then right in front of that, there's also an October glory that's dropping its leaves. They're turning brown and um, falling off. Not a great deal, not as much as the birch, but would that be too much moisture for those trees? Uh, I know they like moisture, but... Yeah, they do. If it's a river birch, heavens no. It's just there's a disease called anthracnose, and that's causing major problems with lots of trees, and it was related to all the rain and things that we had this uh, mm-hmm. this spring. Okay. Um, is it a good idea to mix some, like, fertilome or milorganite with that compost before I fill the hole? You don't need to. If you want to, that's fine. It's up to you. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's let's go over to, should we take a break? Okay, let's do one more. Let's head over to John, or Joni's yard. Sorry. Hi, Joni. Hi there, Mike. Hi. Um, my question is about rhubarb. My husband is uh, has been growing some rhubarb for a few years. Well, I, my mother had a saying about when to harvest rhubarb, something about Months with an R or months that do not contain the letter R. Uh, and we, she's passed now, and we can't remember what the rule is, so I thought maybe you could help. Well, you could go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and check it out. But basically, when, you know, the, I say, that, you know, those kind of sayings are great and everything else. But when the stalks look good, that's when I do the harvest. Oh, when the stalks look good. Right, because you're cutting the rhubarb for the stalks, not the leaves. You know, if it's flowering, you want to cut the flowers off after it finishes flowering. But that's what I, you know, I go by visuals more so than, like, any kind of saying. Okay. So what, um, don't the stalks get tough, though, as the summer goes on? Yeah, if it gets, yeah. So when they, they look, and when they initially look good, harvest it all. And okay. then, you know, freeze it or do whatever you want to with it. Make it into rhubarb pies or 
jellies or whatever you end up doing with it. Definitely. And do they do they flourish better with fertilizer and what kind? Low analysis, probably organic type fertilizer. So like okay. a malorganite type thing, something along those lines. All right. Thank you. Yep. And, you know, improve the soil too, for sure. So All Mike right. Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, uh, we'll get to a call in just a few seconds. But uh, the warm season grasses that the pre-emergent that you would put down in the springtime when the forsythia is in bloom include spurge, ragweed, purslane, knotweed, lamb's quarter, black medic, carpet weed, crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, foxtail, violets, and plantain. But those are the ones that you control. Those are the warm season annual weeds. Now, the ones that are the cool season ones that you control by putting them pre-emergent down in August include henbit, annual bluegrass, chickweed, shepherd's purse. So, the, I mean, two totally different types of plants that are annuals. One likes the hot weather, the other one likes the cool weather. So that's why you have to put pre-emergence down twice a year. Let's go now to uh, Peggy's yard. Hi, Peggy. Hello, Peggy. Hi, Mike. How are you this morning? Good. I have two questions. I have a lot of those, uh, like an acorn tree next door that, you know, they grow. Well, when I pull them out, if I don't get the acorn out, is that going to come back? Uh, it just depends upon how well established it is. Generally, okay. if you just, you know, if you actually knock, you know, pull, let's say, the, the trunk that's coming out of the acorn or the stem, uh, uh-huh. it should kill it. But uh, if just use a, you know, a weeder and make sure you get the acorn, then you don't have to worry about it. Okay. And then the other question was my uh, knockout roses did beautifully earlier. Now they're done and they look like. <laughs> do I can I trim off the dead stuff now and absolutely just let that's what you oh, should wonderful. do after the first flush you prune after the second flush you prune also you fertilize with rose food at this time yes okay great and then that lady that called earlier about her two trees they planted that were doing so horribly right I had my own lesson here I bought the two trees in the pot when we dug the hole put them I did not loosen the it was root bound i didn't do enough root bound trimming so i saved them but that's only because my sister said dig them up right (laughs) and then redo the root system and then fill the hole with water with i used fish emulsion for help anyway (laughs) but they're that was two years ago and they're doing fine right one was a uh uh river birch clump and the other one was a um excuse me uh uh, regalia thing, not regalia, but that. Uh, Wygelia. No, that no. it's purple leaf and it blooms. <laughs> I can't remember the name right now, but mm. that's my fault. Anyway, but no, that I did that to both of them, and they're fine. I saved them, so maybe she didn't uh, do enough of the root, you know. Right, because thing. if if they're pot bound, that's not a good uh, sign for sure. No, so you're absolutely right. And I think that was all. So right. I, I thank you for your time and your knowledge. Well, great. Well, thank you for having me on your show. You're and, welcome. Uh, 
Biff, David, Marilyn, and David again. Uh, we're probably running out of time this hour, so we're not going to get a chance to you know get you. Just watch out about doing any kind of pruning on any kind of broadleaf evergreen this time of year because you're going to sunburn it. So if your boxwood, if some of the broadleaf evergreens, azaleas and everything else, if they're in the sun, don't do any pruning because it's going to be a disaster. Even in the shade, why not wait until it's cool? It can't be that much of a you know nightmare that i got to get these pruned down right now, blah, blah, blah. Just really watch out, too, for the broadleaf weeds. They're going to explode all over the place. And if you've moved your houseplants out and you're not happy with where they are, just put them in a different location. And uh, if you're growing mums for fall blooms, you should do the, another pinching this month. And then you're going to pinch them again in July. And then the final pinching will be probably early August. But, the you know, the mums really like fertilizer. And finally... The summer bulbs that I plant in pots, they're all showing. And I tell you, it was just, it's taken so long because the spring was so cool that none of the growth was really kind of showing up. But now it's starting to explode. My can is elephant ears and all of those. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, which I'll be giving shortly. But right now, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, uh, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes, you know, you have a phone and you're always putting information into your phone. Mm -hmm. So how many G's is that thing? How many G's? It's like five G, six G. It's a four G. Oh, only four. It'll get it'll get to four G. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Me either. Yeah, I just use it. <laughs> but, you know, they're so frustrating though. I guess we get spoiled by technology. I hate it when it doesn't work. Right. I can handle people. You know. You know okay. Yeah. You know. Machines don't work. Oh, I get mad. So is this a phone that the company supplies you yeah, with? Yeah, I have one that is a company phone and one that's a personal phone. Ah, yeah, and the, the company phone is, is newer but getting old, <laughs> so the battery will go like that sometimes. And oh, same with really? my other one. Yeah, I, got, I need a new one. Oh, bummer. But, you know, it's hard to figure out which ones to get. I know. You know? You're getting bombarded with information. Yeah. And you just don't know. And you really want to just put them away. <laughs> Which I do. Yeah, I've gotten to the point now where I'm off on Monday and Tuesday, and I, I don't look at it very often. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, wow. when I'm off, I when my, my weekends, right. I try not to. Wow. I, I just, you know, and I'll, get, I'll go, go get your phone, and I'll tell them, no, leave it. <laughs> just leave it. You know, so. Let me go out and talk to the peacock instead. Exactly. <laughs> Great, thanks. Yes, folks, and by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, cares, ups and downs, and all arounds of your annuals, your bulbs, your edibles, your ground covers, house plants, lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is across the big board. Again, he answers the phone. He's producing the show. When you call, just your first name and where you're calling from, that's all he needs. Uh, during the week and weekends, I spend my time doing landscape consulting. So uh, if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, that's my phone number and me email address. 
Today, after the show, I'm headed towards Creepcore, and then from Creepcore up to Overland, and then after that, back to home and working around the yard. Uh, 40 years of experience I share when I come to your home to do a walk and talk. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, guess what, folks? I said, you know, which I did. I t- didn't get any kind of information on anthracnose. But uh, guess what? Several people sent me information related to anthracnose as well as the Missouri Battalion Garden had information on it as well. When I looked after the show a couple weeks ago, I looked right after the show was over so I wouldn't forget about looking it up. And really, I couldn't find anything at that time. Apparently, the University of Illinois Extension Service already had some information, but I didn't go to the University of Illinois Extension Service. Anthracnose is a fungus that affects new season leaf and stem growth. And it usually occurs during the start of the growing season and especially a wet one. So the anthracnose is what caused the sycamores, and lots of different other trees to defoliate. So just realize that's what it is. The spores are spread by wind and rainfall, irrigated watering as well. It can affect lots of different kinds of plant material. Dogwoods, roses, oak trees, sycamores, maples, tomatoes, grapes. Just unbelievable. Visually, anthracnose generally affects the leaf veins. So if you look up or you see your leaves and you got like brown spots, you know, or bruisey looking things in them, you probably have some anthracnose. Anthracnose rarely kills. And usually if a tree even loses a lot of leaves, it's going to push out a new, uh, let's say, surge of growth. So it's not going to necessarily replace all of them, but it will replace some of them. And here's some of the advice the Botanical Garden gave related to it. If you do have anthracnose, just be patient. Your tree may, even if it defoliates entirely, appear to be dead, but probably recovery is going to happen. And practice good garden sanitation. So if you do have trees in your landscape that do have the anthracnose, rake up all the leaves and keep them raked up that have the anthracnose. And there's several other things, too. So you can go to mobot.org, and uh, they offer basically things as well as the normal they say if you want to spray lime sulfur, a Bordeaux mix, or Dacanol can be sprayed on them when the leaves are still budded. So this year it's too late to do anything. But uh, you don't necessarily have to do that. So it has to be reapplied several different times during the early springtime. And uh, probably the best thing to do is choose trees that uh, are resistant to it. So anyway, anthracnose, now I'm... My head is full of anthracnose. That's what's wrong with me. Let's take a call or two before we take a break. Let's go to David's yard. David lives in Webster. Hi, David. Hello, Mike. Hi. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Thank you for all your expertise over the years. I sure appreciate it. I've learned a lot, but apparently not enough. (laughs) Early, early early spring, I started a yard renovation of about 4,000 feet in part of my yard. I tilled. I composted, I tilled again, put starter down there, leveled, tamped, laid sod last Friday. So far, it's looking great. Been watering the heck out of it. I do have a bunch, you know, a number of seams where they where the sod went together that's showing a lot of dirt. Is is seeding that? Would that do any good at this point to cover those gaps in where, where the 
pieces of sod came together. So in other words, a waste of time. So in other words, you're saying when you laid the sod down, you buttered them up close to each other, but then they dehydrated a little bit and pulled apart. Yeah, and I just I've been watering it almost constantly. Yeah, so it's not you know I just got a little a few little areas where there's the, the dirt showing, and I don't know am I wasting my time and, and money seeding that area? Yes, you are because it's the heat of the summertime. That seed may germinate, but its survivability is going to be very very limited. I would just worry about taking care of your sod. Now, don't overwater it too. So watch out about doing that. Okay, how do I know? I mean, I don't water it to where it's all squishy underneath there, but I certainly feel the moisture under my bare feet. Right. So now, so, how long ago was the sod laid? Well, that's it. I started early spring, and then I got stuck by all the rains, so it just got laid last Friday. It okay. looks like it's doing great, and it's growing, and it seems to be adhering to the to the to the soil underneath pretty good right well basically for the first two weeks after you lay your sod you should have no problems watering every day like what you're doing right now then after that you better cut back on the watering because you could cause you know some problems so just make sure that you know either rainfall wise or irrigated wise you get about an inch of water on your lawn okay well i like water for like you know the whole area for about two hours, and I don't know how that equates into into inches. Well, why don't you, you know, put it? It's looking great so far. Well, great. Just put a bowl out there and see. You know, after an oh, hour, how go. much water there is. There you go. Okay, how long should I wait to mow this stuff? I mean, it's definitely growing. I'm not in any hurry, but what's your recommendation for how long I should wait for the first mow? Well, you know, it's going to be it's going to be dependent on what type of you know what is it bluegrass. It's a fescue. Okay, a fescue, fescue blend or whatever. I'd probably, you know, you don't want it to get too long because of way, you know, with the watering and everything else, you could create fungus problems. So okay. if you're going to mow, don't water for a day or two so it can be pretty dry. Okay. And so I would say after two weeks, take a look and see how long the blades are. And if they're probably more than three and a half inches, I'd mow. Okay, very good. Thank you. Move to one other part of the yard. I had a bowl freeway in a different part of the yard. I got a pretty fair-sized yard. Um, my wife's got one. The dogs have gotten four. I don't like using chemicals on it because we got a zillion fireflies. It's a show every night, fortunately. Mm-hmm. So if I put Grubex down, do you know if that will kill the fireflies? As Gru- well as the grubs? The grub X does not help control moles. Moles, their main diet is earthworms. So, got a zillion of those. So basically what they're going, if they're digging along, they hear an earthworm, they tunnel towards where they hear the earthworm tunneling below the ground. If they come across okay. a grub, they will eat it. But they don't know where okay. grubs don't move hardly at all. They can't hear them. It's just like when they come across it, they will eat it. But beyond that, they don't even you know they don't even know they're there. Okay. Well, we've gotten five out of the yard so far with my wife and my dogs. My dogs are getting pretty good at finding them, unfortunately. But I got a lot of holes. Right. Um, if you if you need to get the traps and just put a you know, upside down bucket over the traps so your dog can't get close to them. Okay, your your best recommendation is to is to use the mechanical traps. Right, exactly. That's what all the professional services really use. Okay, all right. I guess I'll have to get some better ones because the ones that snap down pushed up out of the ground. So I guess I need a stronger spray or something. Right, or moister soil in that area. 
But uh, okay, well, that thank you very much, Mike. I, I appreciate your all your us, and you have a wonderful day. You do the very same thing, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Again, I'm going to remind everybody, if you have bluegrass or fescue lawn, do not fertilize until late August, early September. None during the summertime. None, none, none. And not a nun, I mean N-O-N-E. <laughs> and let's go over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hello. Hi. Hi. My name's Kathy, and I'm from St. Louis County. Great. And I have, I was given a plumeria, a Hawaiian plumeria, which I thought was a plant, but I later learned that in Hawaii they're trees. <laughs> And it is growing and growing and growing. I love to take pictures of the blooms and the flowers as they come. Mm-hmm. But now I need a ladder to stand on oh to even take a picture. <laughs> so my question is, can I cut this back at like three-foot intervals and replant it each piece in a pot and start over? Uh, probably the middle section. How tall is it? Oh, it's about eight foot tall now. Yeah, probably the middle sections are not going to be able to be rooted. You could try it and, you know, just make sure you get some rooting hormone at your favorite garden center and dip one into it. But the top end and the end that's still in the, that remains in the pot, they should do fine. It's just middle section. I don't know if you're going to be able to root that, but it's worth a try. Now, also, I would go online and check it out because some of these things, actually root better if you lay them horizontal than if you stick them just, like, in the pot, you know, vertically. Uh-huh. Okay. I appreciate your help. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And, you know, if, it's, if they do recommend plants, you know, placing them horizontal, then you're going to probably not want to cut it at three-foot sections, maybe at six- or eight-inch sections, and just see what happens. But I'm not so you know, the plumeria... I'm familiar with it because I worked at the Botanical Garden in the Climatron for the last year I was there. But uh, beyond that, I've never really grown one myself. So good luck. Okay. Thank you for taking my call, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. And let's go from Kathy's over to Rich's yard. Hi, Rich. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, hey, first of all, wanted to pass on a big thank you to you. We had an issue here out in our subdivision where the electric company came through and cut down about 100 yards worth of cedar trees. Hmm. And it, we came home one day, and the whole place was bare. kind of like Tiny Tim getting a, a buzz cut. It was just <laughs> shocking. And, uh, but we uh, contacted you, emailed you, and you were very generous and quick to respond. We implemented your suggestions, and we're, we're very pleased. Things are coming in very nicely. We wanted to say thank you. Well, great. Well, thanks. Uh, and my question is, uh, in my... Uh, if I've got some low spots in my yard or grasses, we had to replant some sod and, and whatnot, and it's settled, and there's just low spots all around. Most of it's zoysia. I'm converting everything to zoysia, but even the other areas where I haven't gotten to the gotten zoysia in there yet, if I put some topsoil right over the existing grass, zoysia or otherwise, to try and get things leveled out, even if I do it slowly over a period of time, will that kill the existing grass? Also, yes, it will do that, and it won't make it so you're solving your problem. You've got to mix 
anything that you're trying to elevate, you know, let's say low spots, in with the existing soil. So in other words, you have to blend it together. If you just lay it on top, you're just you're not going to solve this problem at all. Okay, so I've got to kind of dig up the existing sod. Right. And then level it out and then re- replace that sod. Then put that, that piece of sod back. So you can cut the piece of sod, you know, do this like at the garden centers, lay it on, you know, some plastic, keep it watered, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, then you should be fine. Okay, great. All right, well, I appreciate your help. Sure, my pleasure. Take care. And now let's go over to Grant's yard. Hi, Grant. Hello? Hi. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Very good. Good. Listen, I got a quick question for you. I live out in Wildwood. I'm about six acres, and I planted about four years ago a Honeycrisp apple. And every year it just gets beaten down to practically nothing from what I'm understanding is spores coming from the cedar trees. Is that correct? Certainly could be. There's cedar apple rust, and that's a disease that goes from cedar trees to apple trees and then back. That's my understanding. I guess the wind blows it back and forth, and I've used this product. I'm driving, so I don't have it in front of me, but it's like a cop or something. And so every spring I spray this tree really well, and I just have no luck. If you look at it right now, it looks like a Charlie Brown tree out there. (laughs) Well, one application is not going to be adequate. So when the buds are halfway out, the the foliage, you make your first application, then three yep. weeks later, another one, then three weeks later, another one, then three weeks later, another one. So you got to do multiple applications. Well, and I have been doing that. And mm-hmm. so I didn't know if there was uh, um, uh, a formula that I could use or if there was uh, a plan B, because I have used that. I have, I have done that, and that doesn't seem to have... I haven't had real good success with that, and it's been like four years in a row. And other trees that I've planted fruit trees are like four times the size of this thing now. Sure. Um, but so that's about what what we've got to work with, just kind of spray that every three weeks and try next year, I guess. Yeah, and maybe take a look at trying a different type of fungicide, too. Okay, so. okay. All right, well, listen, I always enjoy the show. Thank you, Mike. Well, great. Well, thank you. And now okay. let's go to... May, and her yard happens to be in Perryville. Hi, May. Hello, Mike, and I want to thank you, first of all, for your show. I learn something new every time I listen to you, and I listen every Saturday. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Now I've got a – last fall I called you because someone gave me a hibiscus tree, and you told me it was not winter hardy, so I brought it in the house. Mm -hmm. It uh, lost about half of its leaves, right. which is to be expected, and it. I put it in a south window where it got all the sun it could get, and it has bloomed all winter. There were very few days that I didn't have at least one blossom on it, and sometimes as many as three. And for the last two weeks, it hasn't had any blossoms, but the thing's got to rest sometime. And I want to take it back outside, and I want, wondered, uh, does do I need to put it, when I take it outside, do I need to put it in full sun or in shade or what? You need to make sure that you do not put it in full sun. It will sunburn every leaf on that. Oh. So you got to put it in a shaded location or at least part shade where it's not going to get any sun, let's say from 10 till till 6 in the day. I mean, it can get sun earlier or sun later, but uh, not in direct sun at all, for sure. Oh, okay. Now, it is in a pot 
that is 10 inches across the uh-huh. top where it's the widest. And the, the tree is about five, a little over five feet tall. Uh, do I need to repot that? No, you probably, a lot of times people repot and it cause more trouble than good. I'll tell you, when you have to repot it, just look, you know, check the drainage holes in the bottom. Once you start to see a substantial number of roots coming out of those drainage holes, that's when it should be repotted. Uh, until that happens, just leave it alone. Oh, okay, good. Uh, that's be a job to repot it. Yes. Now, what should I fertilize it, and if so, what kind of fertilizer? Basically, any kind of just all-purpose, you know, like miracle Grow or something like that should be adequate. How often? Uh, probably every, about every three to four weeks during the growing season, so during the summertime, starting late April and with the last fertilizing uh first of uh september oh and i didn't fertilize it at all this winter was that the correct thing to do yeah don't fertilize in the winter time fertilize you know while they're actively growing because you're not going to help it at all and sometimes it can cause more problems than good oh okay yeah well i don't need any problems with it it's very tall and it's top heavy i have to i'll have to stabilize it when i put it outside right um now, I wanted to ask you one more question on a different plant. I have some crepe myrtle plants. I have never fertilized them. They're very old. My mother bought them, and uh, I've transplanted them. What kind of fertilizer do I fertilize them, and what kind? Uh, basically, just like a tree and shrub type food would be, you know, would be fine. Okay. And... I want to thank you for all your information, especially on the hibiscus tree, because it was given to me by a very special person, my aunt, who is going to be 100 years old next month. Oh, my goodness. And I want to keep that plant alive and thriving. Sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Right. And with your uh, crepe myrtles, basically you start fertilizing as soon as the foliage starts, you know, coming out so don't fertilize them during the winter time don't fertilize them in the fall anything else okay well i good luck with that and mike miller k and wash garden hotline back after the welcome back to the st louis composting garden hotline once again mike miller on kmox yes folks 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 let's head over to let's head up to moscow mills and go into pat's yard hi pat yeah good morning hi uh thanks for taking my call i had a question um last fall or last summer i had called you about taking cuttings off of my hydrangea Mm -hmm. which was no longer blooming so my family and i did that and they actually all took i overwintered them inside now they are outside they did great and i actually have them in small pots and i have a bloom on one of them that's only about five inches high my question is is this fall should i overwinter them inside or should i plant them in the ground i would probably leave them in the pot but i sink dig a hole in some garden space and drop the pot into the hole and leave them outside Okay, and how how big do they need to be before I actually put them in the ground? Uh, I would, you know, give them another year or so to make sure that they have an adequate root system because the pot will act as a little bit of an insulator. If we have, we don't know what, this past winter was very mild, very this, very that, but if we have a severe winter and you stick them in the ground, it could just, you know, the freezing and thawing, 
if we have those fluctuations and all that other stuff, could tear up the root system. So by leaving in the pot, that would make them a little bit more secure. Okay, and I was amazed that I wanted to do this because my older hydrangea is no longer flowering, which you said it was getting too old. Right. But the newer ones, I was curious, taken off of that plant, if they were going to bloom, and I already have bloom on the one. That's great. But I will oh. tell you, flowering stresses a plant out, but unless you, you know, get a picture of it really quick and then just uh, go ahead and cut the flower off. Oh, cut the flower off even though it isn't dried out yet? Right. Oh, okay, that'll make the roots grow better. Right, just overall health. Oh, okay, well, that breaks my heart, but <laughs> I will go ahead and do it, and thank you uh, for your advice. Sure. Bye-bye. Let's go from Moscow Mills down to South County into Elizabeth's yard. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. Hi. I have a question about a hardy geranium. I um, purchased a couple of hardy geraniums and planted them in an established bed in my yard. Mm -hmm. It's partially shaded, um, but they just have not done very well. Everything else in the bed... I've ever I've always had success, but uh, you know I did I kept up with watering, but they just kind of got yellow and limp, and I cut off the yellow leaves, and you know, I'm trying to nurse them, but they're just not thriving. I say probably too much water and not enough sun. Too much water. So maybe um, if I get replacements, can I can I move? I guess one question is, can I move them? Um, or if I get replacements, maybe you're suggesting put them in another spot. Right, definitely. Now, if they're not looking healthy, what I'd do is probably put them, you know, pull them up out of the ground, put them back into a pot, and put the pot in a sunny location. Okay, so you think they need sun. Right, definitely they need sun. Even though they may be part shade tolerant, that mm -hmm. is not the good thing for them. Because there are some that are, you know, are shade tolerant, but still... From an aesthetic standpoint, I never think they look good in the shade, even part shade. Okay. Uh, I don't have a lot of sun in my yard, unfortunately, but I will look for a spot. <laughs> and don't overwater. Yeah, I kind of wondered that, too. Um, the the ground is a little squishy. Ooh. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I just took for granted the other uh, plants in the area just do fine, right. like I have salvia and hosta and daylilies, but um, these geraniums just don't like the spot. <laughs> yeah. Too wet, too wet, and not enough sun. Not enough sun. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Now let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, that was quick. <laughs> okay. Um, a couple questions. Uh, I think one of my questions was answered, what to um, fertilize crepe myrtles with and when should I do it? Basically, during their growing season, start fertilizing them when the leaves start emerging. And you can just use an all-purpose tree and shrub food. That's fine. How about fish emulsion? Uh, by its, in and of itself, yeah. I don't know. You know yeah, I use it a lot. I mean, I've used it on tomatoes, but I've also used miracle Grow on tomatoes. Right. So, and it's, they both done great. Right. Um, I mean, you could okay, try. another question. I have a bug on my crepe myrtles, and I just put them in last fall. They're doing really good. They're small, but they've got nice leaves, and I'm seeing like a cottony substance on I, at least two of them, and I've got three total. 
and I'm wondering what it is. I kind of I know about mealybugs on indoor plants, and it kind of looks like that, but I don't know. I haven't seen. I, I I saw some little bug, but it moved so quick I didn't. Right. I couldn't see what it was, but it is like a cottony residue on the leaves. Well, basically, it could be a cottony aphid. So there are aphids that have a kind of a cottony look. So just get oh, okay. insecticidal yeah, soap. Yeah, it's like they're just leaving little with you know this cotton and they're they're red leaves, so you can see it really well. Right. So just get some insecticidal soap and spray it directly onto them as soon as you see them. How about um, until I do that, uh, like a week mixture? Now I've used this before. You know, if I can hit the problem when it first starts, of like lemon. No antibacterial, but lemon dish detergent diluted down in water just to discourage them. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be discouraging. Try it and see what happens. Okay, I'll try that. All right. And my other question is Asiatic lilies. I just bought some at Lowe's, and they're beautiful, and they've already got uh, blooms, you know, buds on them that are ready to bloom. Right. And I know you put stuff in pots. Can you... Plant those in pots, and will they survive over the winter if you do that? I've, you know, I've grew them a couple years in pots. I have mine in the ground now, but for when I lived in Soulard, I grew mine in pots for multiple years. Oh, okay, great, because I know they get kind of tall, and, right. and I have one variety that gets pretty wide. Right. Um, okay, and um, you don't sink the pot in the ground or anything. You just leave it out. Yeah, I've got. I use large pots. They were probably like eighteen inches. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to get a bigger pot then. Uh, and fertilizing them, do you fertilize them? As soon as this foliage starts coming up out of the ground, I start fertilizing them at that time. When they finish flowering, I fertilize them once or twice after that on a monthly basis, and then that's pretty much it. Okay. Okay, until like August? Yeah, until mid to late August, early September. Okay, and um, the tag says they are pretty cold-hardy, so... Um, um, I, if I do put them in pots, I, I'll, I'll hope for the best. Right. And um, any particular fertilizer, flower fertilizer on those? Uh, basically, I, you know, routinely just, I don't, you know, specifically with the bulbs, I just use, you know, miracle Grow type thing. Oh, just like a, a standard right. fertilizer. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for your help. I really sure. appreciate it. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Anna Marie is our next caller. Hi, Anna Marie. Yes, hi, Mike. Hi. We have a place at Lake of the Ozarks, and we have a large shagbrook hickory that is getting an indention at the trunk where it hits the ground, and it has a little indention, and I looked at it and touched it, and it looks like a little mold, and it smells like mushroom. I was wondering, is that a concern? Uh, probably. If the tree's healthy, and if, how big's the diameter of the trunk? Oh, probably across uh, 20 inches. Oh, so it's pretty good size, pretty well established. Yeah. If you wanted to, yeah. you could just get some fungicide. Or maybe even just try to, you know, maybe some horticultural vinegar and just spray it on that wet spot, that damp spot, and I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. Okay, great. And because it's so tall and goes through the deck, so that's wonderful. And what do you think of the Epsom salt water for uh, tomato plants and other vegetables? I don't like, you know, I mean, all that is great stuff, but I like, you know, let's say fertilizers that have been formulated full 
you know, nutrient-wise fertilizers for specific plants. So rose food, tomato food, blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay. Epsom salts in and of themselves, they're, you know, I know a lot of people will swear by it, but I don't, uh, I don't fool with it. Okay. Great. Thank you so much yeah. for your service. Sure. My pleasure. And okay. And when I say I don't fool with it, it's just my own personal, you know, attitude. If you like Epsom salts, you've had great success, stick with it. I mean, I'm not saying don't. Uh, let's go over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a uh, maple tree. I'm not sure which type, type of maple it is, and a purple ash. They're about 17 years old. And I'd like to know if this is a good time of the year to uh, have them trimmed. Uh, they're they need to be trimmed, or should I wait until cooler weather? Maple tree, summertime pruning, ash tree, wintertime. Okay. So two different times. So, so when you say wintertime for ash, like November maybe? Or? Yeah, basically when the foliage start, when the leaves start dropping, you know, all the okay, way up great. until the time when the new leaves start coming out. So you've got basically, right. you know, from Halloween till you know, for mid-March. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Sure. And Hi. now let's go to, where should we go? Let's Cornelius. Hi, Cornelius. Hello, Mike. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Good. Hey, I got a problem in my yard. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. It looks, what I see is a hole about three inches in diameter, and it looks like a tunnel, like a mole would have. And the tunnels are usually two feet to three feet long. So, reason, so is this like a pile of dirt? Yeah, a pile of dirt. So basically that is a mole, and what that is is moles have two different tunnels. One's on the surface. That's the one that they eat the earthworms from. The other one is the one they go back after they've eaten enough and they want to go back to their sleeping den. They have to push the soil up to the surface. So it is moles. But you can't okay, you can't trap those because that tunnel is about a foot below the surface. So if you're going to try to trap them, you got to use the surface tunnels to put the traps. Okay, but why would these have a hole where the mole went in the ground? Well, it's not necessarily you know where the mole you know it's just probably it's collapsed in there you know rainwater or whatever. It's not necessarily you know a hole by the mole. The mole pushes up the soil and then it could come back down. No, Mike, I, I, I have other moles in my yard, and I don't see these holes. But in one spot in my yard, there are, I went out yesterday, there were about five places where whatever it is goes in a hole, buries down, and makes that tunnel where the soil is pushed up three or four feet. And I put the mole poison in there, and normally that's what kills them, but I'm not sure about this. I'll put some more mold poison in there and see if that will get them. Well, there is a, there is another rodent called a vole, V-O-L-E, which uses mold tunnels. Okay. So maybe the mole, the voles are getting in there and using the old mold tunnels because the voles will eat root systems on plant material where the moles do not. Okay. Uh, this is right in the middle of the yard, so I, I don't have too many roots out there. It's just out in the middle. But I'll try some more mold poison in case for this mold and bowl by Andrew or something like that. I'll, I'll try that and see what happens. But, man, they're tearing up a 
beautiful spot where I've got a nice little area. Right. Well, yeah, it's unfortunate, but uh, good luck with that. It's going to be, you know, a tough, tough road to hold. So thanks, Cornelius. You're going to be our last caller of the day. Joy, Gretchen, uh, Ken, and Pam, uh, we're not going to be able to get to you today. And so, but hopefully next week, I guess I'll be back. I don't know. They haven't told me not to come back. But just, uh, again, I'm going to reemphasize Cool season lawn, regardless of what kind of shape it's in, fescues, bluegrasses, no fertilizing. Zoysas, yes. Regular plant, other plant material, yes. So Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline, I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.